Do you know what it feels like to be the target of projection, where someone who doesn't know how to deal with their own stuff projects it onto you and makes you feel less than? If that's the language that's going through your head, this is an episode that you're going to want to listen to. I talk about a situation that I have going on with my dad that is actually something all of us in my family are dealing with and how we go about dealing with it. So if you want to learn how to practice more self-compassion, if you want to be able to figure out if you're the giver of projection or the receiver of projection (laughs) and what you can do about it. Well, without further ado, let's get started. Welcome to the Happy and Healthy Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Lang. And this podcast is dedicated to my fellow women in STEM. After working in high tech for 10 years, in 2004, I became the proud owner of Pacific Heights Health Club in San Francisco, where I worked with thousands of clients over the span of 15 years to help them reach their health and fitness goals. Now I'm sharing what I've learned about what works as well as what doesn't work when it comes to making healthy habits stick. So if you wanna find out what it takes to achieve lasting weight loss, to create deep health, and feel empowered to live the life you want, you're in the right place. Episode number 177. Well, hi there, Amy here. Thank you so much for joining me today. So for those of you who are tuning into this podcast or listening to it for the very first time, I wanna say welcome, welcome, welcome. And for those of you who have been listening for a while, well, thank you for continuing to listen. And I think today's episode is going to be a really, really good one. So my brother and his family were visiting from Dallas earlier this week. And we were talking about some of the things that my dad does that drives us all nuts. And... When I say it drives us nuts, it actually will end up making us feel pretty bad. Some of the things that he says. So um, how do I describe this? So he he has this tendency to, when he has something to say, instead of just telling us, oftentimes we will wind up getting a text message from him. And it's almost like a, the longer the text, the more upsetting it's going to wind up being. I suspect that the things that he wants to say, maybe he doesn't feel comfortable saying in person, so he uses texting, not even email, but texting as a way to communicate. Anyway, so what I wanted to do today is actually talk about this concept called projection. Okay, so in psychology, there is this concept called projection. And what I'm actually going to focus on today is defensive projection. So that's where someone attributes their own unacceptable urges. So we're talking about feelings and impulses onto another person. So let's say if you were the one doing the projecting, you're attributing your 
own unacceptable urges or the feelings that you, your insecurities, really, the things you don't like about yourself and actually foisting them onto someone else. So an example of this might be, let's say your spouse develops a crush on someone and then accuses you of cheating, right? That's their own insecurity that they're now projecting onto you. Or let's say you're a non-drinker and you're out with friends for dinner and maybe someone in that group suspects that they themselves have a drinking problem. And so instead of respecting that you're a non-drinker, they start giving you grief for not drinking. Does that make sense? Another example when it comes to when we talk about like weight loss, we talk about food pushers, right? For some people, that's their way of showing you love. Right? We always talk about, or we often talk about love languages, that cooking is a way of showing love. I think there's also something about when they see you eat, they see it as you loving them back. Well, if you're afraid right, that someone doesn't love you as much or doesn't love you back, if this person chooses not to eat the food that you're pushing on them, it's very easy to then you, you see food pushers get offended when you don't want the food. And I think that could be some of the stuff that's going on there. Okay. And I'll give you one more example. I remember back when I was working at Oracle, I had a good friend of mine in the department that we were working in who we would stay after work and we'd sit in either my office or her office and we would be chatting, catching up. And later on, we found out that our boss, who I think she probably wasn't the most secure person to begin with because I found out a few years later she actually wound up getting demoted by like three levels. She actually accused us of gossiping about her when really we were talking about our own lives and it had nothing to do with her. So this, again, would be an example of some projection going on, right? That she's accusing us of gossiping makes me kind of think something was going on with her. So you might be wondering, well, why does this actually happen? Because we, you know, if you've been living, you know that this happens all the time. And the reason why people project is because they have some trait, like maybe they lack empathy skills or some kind of desire, like that crush I was talking about, or infatuation, right? That is too difficult for them to acknowledge. So rather than confronting it and dealing with it, they instead put it on someone else. So this is a way for folks to preserve their own ego, their self-esteem, right? And really it's a way to make their own difficult emotions more tolerable because, well, it's easier to see it in someone else and blame them as opposed to looking in the mirror and seeing their own reflection and confronting the possibility that it's their own behavior or, or worse, their own failures as a result of that behavior where it's ultimately just too difficult for them to acknowledge. 
So unfortunately, the flip side of this is that when projection happens, oftentimes someone else is getting blamed instead of taking responsibility, which is where the power actually resides. The other thing that you need to keep in mind with projection is that the person who's doing it, it's really an, a coping mechanism that they're unaware of. It's unconscious. So again, it's about protecting their self-image. So if you've been the target of someone projecting, I want you to consider this. How a person acts toward you is probably really a reflection of how they really feel about themselves. Think about that. How they treat you, right? How they act toward you is actually a reflection of how they really feel about themselves. What does that trigger in you when you hear that? I'm really hoping it's some compassion for the other person, as well as some compassion for yourself. So for both the projector and the projectee. So I think what's really important here, the takeaway is to gain some insight. How to tell if you're projecting onto someone else and then how to tell if someone is projecting onto you. So if you're feeling defensive, okay, if you feel like you want to attack someone, I would say if, you're, if you think you're at risk of projecting onto someone else, the first thing you can do is give yourself that pause. Insert the pause. Give yourself some time and space away from whatever that situation is. Okay. And that time, first, it will allow that intensity of emotion to subside so that you can think about the situation a bit more objectively. And then this is the learning cycle method. This is kind of an abbreviated version of it. Okay. What I want you to do is describe what happened, the situation in very objective terms. So-and-so said this, I did this. I assume they felt X, Y, and Z. So the second part of this, how you describe it is to ask yourself, what were the actions you took, right? And what were the assumptions you made? And then flip it around. What were the actions the other person took? And what do you think the assumptions they made were? Okay, so when you describe the situation, whatever happened, do it kind of um, blow by blow. So it, the sequence, get it in order. And this is the way that you're going to be able to take a look at the situation objectively. And then question whether or not the assumptions were true, were helpful, were kind, were necessary. So again, this is about really slowing things down for yourself and thinking about what may really be going on and having the luxury of time to figure out if you're interpreting it correctly and 
how you would really like to respond. Okay, so if someone is projecting onto you, the easiest way to tell is if the reaction that you're getting is out of proportion. So if they're reacting really strong to something that you said or something that you did, and it seems unreasonable, again, they're blowing it out of proportion, this may be a sign that they're projecting their stuff onto you. For example, a couple weeks ago, I got a really long text message from my dad after I forgot to tell him about some worker coming to work on the flooring for his new house. And after he sent the text message to myself and my sister, so it was in a group text, <laughs> my sister sent me a separate text saying, where did that come from? <laughs> so this would be an example of an overreaction where someone outside of it who's not the target of the projection could look at it objectively and say, what's going on? I want you to be able to do the same thing. Now, I'm talking about this all in a way that sounds very calm. And I know that when it's actually happening, it can stir up a lot of emotions. So if you're not able to make that distinction of someone projecting their stuff onto you, one of the consequences of this is something called projective identification. And basically, this means that you're accepting what the other person said about you as true. And then you respond accordingly. So, for example, if a father felt like he never built a successful career, then turned around and told his son, you won't amount to anything, don't even bother trying. If he were projecting his own insecurities onto his son, and then his son internalized that message and believed that he would never be successful, that would be an example of projective identification. So if you were the target of projection and you wind up accepting what they're saying and incorporating it into your own identity, if you, in a situation at work where someone is saying that you're an ineffective leader and you're not communicating well, and it's actually their own issue that they're projecting onto you, if you accept that to be true, what does that do to you? So when it comes to projection, whether you're the giver or the receiver, there are actually two things to keep in mind in dealing with it. The first is boundaries, and the second is actually self-compassion. So when it comes to boundaries, we're talking about knowing who you are, knowing what your wants and preferences and needs are, and then responding in a way that trains people how to respect your boundaries. So if you're the receiver of projection, you have the right to say, I disagree. 
And then again, there's that powerful insight of understanding that it's actually about them and not about you. Just recognizing that is very powerful and very empowering. And then when we talk about practicing self-compassion, I'm going to refer to Dr. Kristen Neff, who talks about three elements of self-compassion. The first is self-kindness versus self-judgment. The second is common humanity versus isolation. And then the third is mindfulness versus over-identification. So when I talk about compassion, this is really about when you see suffering, wanting to alleviate that suffering. So there's no judgment. There's really only kindness involved. So self-compassion would be if you are suffering, if you're feeling inadequate, rather than ignoring your pain or beating yourself up, right? that inner critic, you actually are kind to yourself. You say it's okay. It's, it, you validate how you're feeling okay, as a reaction to whatever happened. So again, for both the person who's projecting as well as for the person who's the target of projection, self-compassion gives you permission to be kind to yourself, to say it's okay, that it's okay to feel how you're feeling. If you're feeling insecure, to acknowledge that, to look yourself in the mirror and be okay with who you are, as opposed to needing to avoid that feeling. And then when it comes to common humanity, when it came to my dad, for those of us who have received these long text messages, we were talking about collecting all of them and compiling them and putting them into a book. (laughs) So it really gave us perspective. So again, we saw common humanity as opposed to isolation, as opposed to feeling like I'm the only one who's ever gotten one of these messages, as if what my dad was saying was actually true about me and responding accordingly and feeling less than. So again, seeking common humanity. And then the third, when we talk about mindfulness instead of or versus over-identification, it goes back to really looking at what's happening objectively and mindfully as opposed to accepting it as true about myself or about yourself and your worthiness. Ultimately, it actually does come down to how you or what you make it mean about you, you as a person, your value, your worth, your esteem. So we want to make sure that we're processing those feelings, right, as opposed to either suppressing them or exaggerating them. So in the case of these text messages that my dad sends out, Here, the mindfulness approach is really about recognizing or realizing that it's his pain that he's unable to deal with or 
doesn't know how to deal with and really not about us. So while the feeling that we get from receiving these texts isn't fun, it's that seeing the bigger perspective and again, not over identifying with what the message was. Okay. So I'm not in any way, shape or form saying that we should ignore how we feel. I hope you get that. It's more, we feel compassion for the other person as well as being kind to ourselves and saying, yes, no one wants to hear this stuff. And yes, hearing it can hurt because maybe, maybe they're touching some part of our being that believes what's being said. Because it can really only hurt you if you believe what it's what's being said. Now, there's some other things going on. Like in the case of my dad, we, we, none of us want to think that he feels that way about us, right? So that in in and of itself can be upsetting. It's not necessarily what he's actually saying. So it's, again, it's the awareness of what you're feeling and why you're feeling it so that you can actually process it correctly. So in your everyday experiences, and especially if you're the subject of someone else's wrath, more often than not, if someone is saying something about you, it's probably not. So before you internalize it, I want you to insert a pause and then really practice the learning cycle method. So I gave you that short version. The long version is step one, I want you to notice that it's happening. Step two, I want you to name it. So this is where when you become aware of a thought that's either triggering or the emotion that's leaving you feeling upset, I want you to journal about it. And I want you to describe it in terms as objectively as possible. And literally describe what took place, the assumptions that were being made or your interpretations, the conclusions that you were drawing, how you then reacted, and there might be a back and forth of sorts, okay? Then I want you to reflect and reframe. Reflect as in ask yourself the question, the questions, is this true? Is this necessary? Is this helpful? Is this kind? So if the answer is no to any of those, it's an opportunity for you to reframe in a way that serves you. And then step five is to keep practicing this stuff. All right, so the last thing I want you to keep in mind is you are not in this by yourself. If you would like some coaching on this, feel free to go to my website, moxie-club.com, tap on work with Amy and schedule a free mini coaching session with me. I would love to show you how to use the learning cycle method, help you reframe something that happened, if that's what you're struggling with right now. And that's it for today. So I'm going to wrap things up today with a quote by Dr. Kristen Neff. Our successes and failures come and go. They neither define us, nor do they determine our worthiness. 
You've been listening to the Happy and Healthy Podcast with Amy Lang. If you enjoyed today's episode, by all means, hit the subscribe button now. If you're ready to get started, visit my website, moxieclub.com. That's M-O-X-I-E hyphen C-L-U-B dot com. And sign up for my free mini course, How to Lose Weight for the Last Time. And remember, making your choices when you're in a state of abundance is where the magic happens.